0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. My name is Curtis and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, at least until this, the Steam Switch thingy magic comes out, Cameron <laughs> McCoy. How you doing, friend? Oh, dude. I, be still my beating heart with that thing. Uh, pretty excited. <laughs> I, I saw that and they were like, it's bigger than the Switch? so it's. They're like, who is this for? Someone that wants a big portable that they're going to play for long periods, and I was like, I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you his card. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I, I mean, you're reasonably going to think about getting that, right?
1: Uh, if the reviews hold up two weeks before, I mean, yes, yes, I'll be getting it for sure.
0: I, I just picture you playing Dark Souls uh, that way and upgrading. As it was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with some touchpads, you know? Let's (laughs) go. Um, So, Cameron, we are a Magic the Gathering podcast. A new Magic the Gathering set came out. I kind of wanted to squeeze all the magic stuff into our first segment, because all this kind of runs together. Yeah. Talking about adventures in the Forgotten Realms um, and what we've been up to this week. What have you been up to this week, man?
1: So, I've been playing the new hotness called Standard um and interesting checking interesting. out this uh blue red mid-range deck that's running um goldspan direct uh dragon the galazeth prismari dragon and then just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of good blue red spells from uh you know uh standard so like it's uh, expressive iteration frostbite magma opus Arlen's epiphany Um, I can tell you right now that Arlen's Epiphany is going to be the card that I'm going to hate the most uh, in about six months, if not three months. Um, That card, while incredibly powerful, and I have casted I don't know how many Arlen's Epiphanies right now, that's one card I hate. Like, I just, I genuinely, like, I'm playing it as a necessary component of the deck, but... um, it's gonna wear out its welcome. Any of the take an additional turn cards, I would say, wear out their welcome very, very quickly. Agree. Um, on top of that, the snowlands does this is running frostbite and um, you know faceless haven. Um, some of like these really, really strong cards from um, from the, uh, the, the the. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of the Strixhaven. set. Strixhaven. Thank you. Calheim. set Kaldheim. there we go there we go <laughs> spike feed seal of approval right there <laughs> yeah
0: there's a blue red guild that's where galas uh-huh. comes from and prismari command the rest of the deck is mostly caldheim fair Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so overall i like this deck a lot um bone crusher giant and brazen borrower are the two main things that will be rotating out um I have not even really looked at Standard 2022 yet. Um, I'm super curious about it, but I'm also honestly kind of just thinking like I'm going to be playing Standard for, you know, the foreseeable future for a long time. I don't need to wear out my welcome with 2022 already. I might as well just kind of, you know, sunset all these like, you know, um, fairy tales and all that stuff right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a certain element of like, I want to look at Throne in the El- uh, thrown of Eldraine in the eye while they walk away. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I want to, yeah. I want to make sure the job is done.
1: <laughs> yeah, you. Uh. The life just <laughs> drains from its eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I get it. I, I, I'm like, standard 2022. I think is more of a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of content creators are going to it because there's just kind of more ground to tell there, and that's fine. That's a totally reasonable thing to do. For me, though, um, I do want to talk about the paper pre-release, because I did paper pre-release. You did not, or did you? I did not, no. Um, I would love for you to get back with me um, regarding kind of the attendance, because I do want to talk about that a little bit more here in a second, but attendance at the pre-release was quite low for us. Hmm. Um and I don't know, maybe that's just my shop, you know, uh, anecdotally, uh, but I've just heard some things here and there that the pre-release numbers were quite low, which is kind of shocking to me because this is a d and um, But basically, opening night, my shop usually does like a flight of like 20, 24 people. There were eight of us.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And then the second flight on, which so that was Friday night, the second flight on Saturday, there was five of us at a pre-release. So, pretty uh, heartbreaking numbers. Um, Modern, just in context, at this shop is usually 12 to 16 people, okay? Um, Not the biggest shop in the world, and I would never accuse it of being that, but usually the pre-releases are Mm popping. And the Modern Horizons pre-release that I went to, or what I guess Modern Horizons 2, was popping, right? And so, that just kind of bummed me out a little bit. Yeah. but I do think we're kind of staring down the barrel of some things. Now, first, just a few things about the pre-release. I think that they should do the digital pre-release two days before the paper pre-release. This whole week and a half time or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, dude, I knew the set inside and out. And I felt like, I, because I had the luxury of having some time off and really drafting this set to death, which I have done. Right, I know the set. I know how to draft it. I had led a massive advantage in these mm-hmm. things. Right, um, My first sealed pool was also probably the best sealed pool I've had in ages. I know I said that about my first one that I did digitally. This was even better. Um, and I just cruised. But then the second day, I went three and one. Uh, we kind of had to do round robin style or whatever. Um, and here's what I would say about the paper pre-release. I think it is a good product. I think it's too far away from the digital release, so maybe people feel like they know the set, so the mystery is kind of gone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A couple days, like, if you make it act like it's in a moose boosh, if you will, like a, okay, this is my appetizer on Arena for the real thing, that's fine, but when Mm -hmm. it's a week and a half, it's just too far, or you just say release day. Stores can draft, or you can play new stand like this standard the night that it releases shops can start selling that friday morning mm-hmm. i i just feel like there might need to be something that changes there uh for it to be to feel fresh um that being said the people that played the set really liked the set um the dungeon mechanic which i think was widely poo-pooed on the internet hmm. it's not just you and me that really like that and limited i think everyone i've talked to you loves it and it plays really well in paper too which was a concern for me yeah um, you you always need some kind of like thingy majigger right to put on it um but dude it's great um here's the other thing I would say this set these sets please stop with the variants you have not opened one of these packs yet Cameron but There are these like sketch versions. There's these versions that look like the cover of old D&D books. You know, they're full art. There's foil. There's foil of all these. And I was telling somebody like, so I opened an Evolving wilds. I should probably try and find it for you. But it's like the cover of one of the old D&D books. And if you have not been to a pre-release over a while and you open that, it looks like a tips card. Like it does not even look like a real Magic the Gathering card at all. So, I know I'm going full MTG boomer here and asking people to get off my lawn. I actually kind of like the black and white sketch ones. But those are cool looking, yeah. But if you have like multiple variants in the same set, it makes none of them feel special. Mhm. So, just one variant is fine. I know maybe, you know, with D&D there's so many options you felt like you were leaving something on the table. But let's be real, we're going back. We're going back to yeah, the Forgotten yeah. Realms.
1: This is just kind of like um, in keeping with like I think some of the conversations we've had over the last month just about like the amount of reprints and variants of the reprints and not just this D&D set but across it seems like all of magic. And at some point I think it's going to get exhausting because you're right there's nothing about that feels I would say special. And the way that I thought that they did with, like, the masterpieces um, during, like, Amonkhet. Like, I thought, like, that was really special. They were super rare, and you felt like you are getting something out of it. Now, mm, not so much.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, still while I was in the shop, there were people that would come in. They would buy their booster box, and they would skedaddle. That was a really common thing while I was there. So I think people are interested in the set um but these are just some things that i think could be fine-tuned to to make it a better experience i do want to mention new standard because i have been messing around with some things Mm -hmm. uh i did play the mono green deck Mm -hmm. and i think that that deck was a moment in time kind of good like i know a lot of people had some pretty good results for like a week and a half uh so i played it and where i'm at in the ladder, i don't know obviously you know variance whatever but it felt like the bug ultimatum players had made concessions, had upped their wrath count, had upped whatever they needed to do to deal with it. Uh, and then I played against Winota decks a lot, which is a horrible matchup for Mono Green, Like, mm-hmm. horrible. And so, because they just kind of make dudes, make dudes, make dudes, and then they create one attack with the turn that they play Winota. And you have zero interaction unless you like happen to have a fight card kind of thing yeah you know it, it's but, real rough
1: can we just say like why is winota still around like that card i mean i i for some reason i thought it was banned and like i i thought there was a mistake with the <laughs> standard when i was played against it, it was like oh that's right it was just an historic but the card is just stupid it was <laughs> such a poorly designed card
0: which, which makes me helpful, hopeful for a new standard because if you look, outs, Omnath is the outlier. I just want to say that out of, the, mm-hmm. out of the gate. Omnath to me is the outlier. But if you look at Zendikar, Strixhaven, Kaldheim, and now Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, those like easy win button cards are just not there, mm-hmm. right? You have to play and make decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what's happening with Standard 2022 is people are like, oh, yeah, mid-range, Creature's the two-for-one. Like, I, I was listening to Constructed Resources, and they were talking about how fresh Standard 2022 feels because the color combo's... Do what the, those color combinations have done classically in Magic. Blue White is a control deck. Black White is a control deck. Green Red is an aggro deck. There's mono green. There's mono white. There's mono red. On and on, right? It is those decks, right? Mm-hmm. And that we played. Ver- and it's like, it's amazing to think, but you haven't gotten those decks in a, <laughs> in a long, long time. time. <laughs> <laughs> like two years. I mean, okay, maybe mono red is the uh, ex- exception, right? but always is yeah always (laughs) is and i would argue that for a long period of time it has not been good right but it's there yeah uh but even like the white weenie deck is kind of an engine deck right now uh and maybe it will be in next standard i don't know but like the the ultimatum the rogues deck those don't act like regular magic decks um so i do want to just talk about this and again this is all anecdotal me talking to two separate shop owners one, one shop was mine. One is another very successful shop in the Kansas City area that has, you know, 40 people at a modern tournament uh, on their weekly modern, okay? Cannot get standard to fire, okay? The guy told me, because I went to sell cards, the guy told me straight up, literally two people will show up for standard. No one wow. plays standard. And that that's your homework assignment, Cameron. I want next time you're in the shop to ask your shop owner, like, yeah, hey, what's going on with Standard? And I would love to hear like from listeners, like, what is happening with this as well. But I do want to brainstorm with you because I have like some there's there's some things going on, right? So Standard 2022 exists on Magic Arena. Okay, this is a format that you can actually play, and they've actually banned a card, <laughs> which we yep. talked about, Book of Exalted Deeds, right? So, would you be in favor of Watsy coming out and saying, "Hey guys, we're actually going to go ahead and rotate El Drain, Icoria, I guess it would be Magic Twenty One, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: whatever those sets are, Theros is going to rotate too. We're gonna this. You're like Theros. There was a Theros set. There yeah, it's the one with Uro. there was a, there was that's the one with Uro. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, they just rotate those a month early." And then we get this standard that is basically three sets, four sets, and then a fifth set in October. So the options, I think, are we could rotate them early. We could do a pre-ban where we just say, look, uh, emergent Ultimatum, uh, whatever you want to ban from rogues, probably Drown in the Lock. You You just cherry pick the key card in a bunch of decks and say, these are all gone for the remainder of this standard. Or do we just say, hey, look, the the F&M event right now is draft or modern? I guess you could probably do that as a store owner anyway, right? Like you have the option. But I'm just saying like if Watsi says, hey, we're suspending standard for a while or something. Yeah. Not likely. But let's hear. I want to hear your solutions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of modern, but I also think like from a store owner's perspective and from like watsi in general making modern a premier event making modern something that's just like the new f&m standard um would cause a lot of problems <laughs> for for i think watsi as far as being like their funding stream coming in and this is something that they need. They need standard because that's the influx of new cards. That's how they can, that's how people buy product and Watsy stays in business. It might be great for the shop owners like to be able to sell nothing about modern stables, but I think, I, th- I think you need the new products on top of that. I This is tough. I, I think people, I think there's always going to be a, a, sect of people, I'm in that sometimes as being like standard is just not going to be good and it's just how it works because of the variance of having new sets come out the way they come out, you know, so there is going to be variance with the quality of standard and I totally get that. I think there needs to be some more faith put into standard as we've seen over the last year and a half, things like Icoria, things like things like uh oko we can go on and on and on where it's like these certain things i think when they're put into standard and quote break standard um doesn't bode well for like bringing new players in who want to invest in standard who want to invest in magic um it could cause i think just some distrust as far as like why would i invest in this product I'm just going to jump to modern. So I think we just have to have more faith in modern, which means, I, I'm sorry, in standard, and probably just like a better quality standard. And I think a underpowered standard, honestly, is probably the way to go.
0: Yeah, and to back up what you're saying, we need to have real competitive events that pay out real money in paper standard. Mm-hmm. Because like it or not, I think that's what drives people to play. And... I I just think that the biggest oopsie of this whole situation, like, in terms of competitive play, maybe not the biggest, but maybe an obvious oversight was them saying, okay, no one was able to buy, really, um, Icoria, right? Or whatever core set, or um, I guess Zendikar came out during, uh, for some people still in quarantine, and some people couldn't get their product. Yes, collectors bought this stuff in droves, I understand. But the average run in the mill player held on to modern staples and commander staples over the quarantine, or legacy in the case of your guys, probably. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I am not going to buy standard stuff because I don't know when this is going to end. <laughs> it's a dumb investment, right? So mm-hmm. now we're theoretically, hopefully, out of the woods or getting out of the woods and, and these sh- events are happening and no one has the cards. None of the actual competitive players have the cards. But I think if you go to people and say, Hey, we've decided to rotate this early because card access is a problem. I think you're going to generate a lot of excitement. People are going to write articles about new standard. People are going to play new standard on arena. And I just don't know that anyone is going to be like, you know what? I have the Ikoria cards mm-hmm. and I'm really upset that I won't be able to play them for another month or L drain or what, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you haven't gotten your juice out of those at this point, now again, we're sitting here. This is the middle of July. Watts, could put a limit. They could say, Hey, we're actually moving this rotation up to August 6th or whatever. Right. That gives those people time to play those decks for a few more weeks and then they can move on and everyone else can like build up decks. But I would love it. If we wake up tomorrow morning, Hey guys, Standard is looking new. This is what we're going to do to try and, like, generate interest. Um, the particular cards getting banned, I think, would probably just lead to other Eldrain cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, again, we p- cherry-picked all those cards, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, Winota, that's the best deck now. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? Or, I mean, how many rogues would you have to take out of rogues for rogues to not be good? Right? Um, uh, so I, that would be my preference. I know last time they kind of pre-banned some stuff, but let's just let's just rotate this sucker early. That, that standard, where if it, if it was just Zendikar, Kaldheim, Strixhaven, Adventure of Forgotten Realms, you would show up to play that in paper, would you not?
1: I think it would be good, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't have anything bad to say about those sets. So anyway, I'm interested <laughs> to hear what people have to say. I do think that you know, in terms of sealed product, Ichoria and all those, and Eldraine, like they've probably lived their life, right? Like, I don't know that anybody's mm-hmm. going into the store and going, "I need packs of Eldraine," but maybe I'm way off the mark here. I would prefer not have to wait, not to have to wait another three months of this. Yeah, standard.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: Um, all right, Cameron, let's get out of this segment. Come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. Uh, so you watch something here? I don't know what the Fear Street trilogy is. <laughs> I mean, I don't
1: think you would. You you probably shouldn't know what the Fear Street trilogy is. Um, do you remember R.L. Stein?
0: Yeah, of course, author, the
1: Goosebumps guy, Goosebumps author. He also wrote a kind of more like in between book that was more for like um, the older young adult, I would say the Fear Street novels. Uh, so uh, Netflix picked up their R.L. sign series of Fear Street and they made a trilogy that's loosely based off of the Fear Street stuff. I think it's kind of like they, they, they're pulling from a lot of resources to put it in there. Um, I never read the books as a kid. My wife did and she's like a year older than me and, you know, already more mentally advanced than I was ever going to be, you know when mm-hmm. I was in seventh grade. Um, so anyway, she has like kind of like a nostalgia for it and we watched it. Um, I will say that the Fear Street trilogy is kind of like chaotic, doesn't fully make sense and it, it I, there, like it was like beating you over the head with the 90s nostalgia in a way that I think like the way stranger things, Kind of handled it okay. This takes it up to eleven, as far as like, mm-hmm. hey, do you remember the nineties? Let's jam pack fifteen songs that you remember, know, and love, into like a, th- you know, thirty second montage. <laughs> it's a lot.
0: Didn't Captain Marvel do that too?
1: Yeah, yeah. Captain Marvel really did do that. Yeah. Now that I think about it, um, but like this is, I think, fun in the sense of like. I like that they're pulling from this kind of other IP um, from the 90s. And I hope that Netflix or other like studios could pull from some other things of like this like mid 90s thing, teen drama or whatever. Could be horror. I don't care. But there's a lot of like great IP that I think hasn't been sourced or mined yet um, from both the 80s and 90s that isn't Stephen King, isn't R.L. Stein that you could probably go after. And I would probably like stuff that I maybe read when I was a kid don't remember anymore. And I would love to kind of just revisit that um, in today's media landscape that we have and Netflix or Amazon or whatever are just like these perfect places for like being able to watch like essentially a movie trilogy within three weeks, which was kind of the cool thing about fear street that I did appreciate was like, it was three movies uh, and they released one every single week, um, so we kind of got to look forward to it. And it was just a completely novel way to experience a trilogy, other than having to wait like for Star Wars over the course of six six years. You know, so mm-hmm.
0: it was great in that sense. Uh, so Cameron, I wish you would just come out and ask me to work with you on the Hardy Boys screen treatment, <laughs> right? Like, yes. <laughs> what are we talking about? You know. Uh you don't have to beat around the bush like this. We'll make it happen. Uh dude, I like 6th grade. Uh I may so we had to do book reports in those days. I I know this is shocking, but this is where you had to write a report about what happened in the book because the internet didn't exist yet. So the only way that you could prove that is you had to write, you know. And I mean, my 6th grade teacher, Mrs. Ashley, she let me freaking do hardy boys books for book reports and i would just crank those suckers out yeah that that was the late 80s early 90s version of the hardy boys not the you know 60s whatever but um we can make it happen dude yeah man i don't and i think hardy boys set in the 90s would be more interesting than hardy boys set right now i agree
1: i agree yeah yeah
0: because if you give the hardy boys apple watches and cell phones a lot of stuff's gonna get solved pretty (laughs) quick solved
1: like instantly
0: (laughs) yeah um it's like the movie Commando if anyone has a cell phone then the whole thing all you need to do is call the dude and like uh anyway I forgot who made that point. Someone made that point on a podcast and you know I would love to tell you what ruined the movie Commando but I I was kind of already aware that the movie Commando was unruinable. So yeah. Yeah. Um No that's interesting, dude. I um I will probably never watch Fear Street. I have a complicated relationship with horror i really like reading horror and i really like horror video games um Mm. but i don't like horror tv or movies um and i've always been that way specific
1: type for me like i'm not into the slasher just body horror stuff like not into that but give me a good jump scare i'm down for that
0: i think it's that everybody around me was so into horror movies That it made me just kind of be like, just out of sheer me being a contrarian. But like, look, if you were an early '90s uh, video rental store kid, you know, I was the martial arts movie guy. I was not the Mm -hmm. horror movie guy. Like, give me, uh, you know, American Ninja, like Mm -hmm. the litany of, yeah. (laughs) I mean, let's go down the list of Van Damme movies: (laughs) Lionheart, Double Impact. We can do them all. I don't care. Controversially, Lionheart my favorite one. I actually like it more than Bloodsport. We can talk about that mm, later. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of '90s favorites, um, oh, by the way, Time Cop always I thought was overrated.
1: I mean, there's like a couple good scenes, but yeah, overall forgettable
0: movie. <laughs> yeah, it's got nothing on Lionheart or Bloodsport, like for right? real, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so here's here's what I did. So um sat down and by the way we should have like a long talk about switch accounts uh i had to pay i ended up paying for the family switch online thing so i could just move saves between i had to fully set up my son as he has a primary switch account and i have a primary switch account and so Mm. i i have messed around with the classics thing on it my son certainly played it more um Not as great of a selection as I would like. Yeah. Particularly on the Super Nintendo end, but that's maybe another story. Um, But on Switch, they did have a very deep discount on uh, Panzer Dragoon. Uh, So just a little background here. Panzer Dragoon was a game released in like, I think 1995 or six. And it was a launch game in the US for the Sega Saturn. And it is essentially, you are a uh, kid that rides a dragon. And it's a style of game that doesn't really get made anymore where it's like a rail shooter, meaning the the game is moving in a direction and you are simply moving the camera around and using your cursor to highlight targets. And then when you let go, you shoot kind of these heat-seeking like, missiles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, that stick, the aim stick is also used to move your dragon slightly to dodge. And that's where this kind of like aged 3D element of it, you know, where these things weren't figured out where you know, games in these days didn't have two sticks. Mm-hmm. So something mm-hmm. that would very easily be solved by a second stick is just not a thing with this game. Um, however, um, the remake is really high quality, and I think you can finish the whole game in like an hour. So it is something that like at a $5, 6 7 $8 dollar price point, I think it's totally fine. At a $25 price point, the remake is a little excessive to ask for, and by my estimation... Yeah. I think it's also on um, PS4 and Xbox One, but I just saw it on deep discount on Switch. And then I thought, well, I'll play this on whenever I'm on the go. And it's a terrible game to play on a small screen. <laughs> so you, you actually end up, you know, running into some of those really lovely Switch performance issues, which pop up from time to time. Mm-hmm. They're totally going to not address that with a new Switch, but that's another story. Um, but here's the thing, if you want an experience that is unlike anything else in terms of art direction, and in terms of vibe, it's weird because it's a really busy shooter, but it's also very chill. Uh, it, it exists in this weird place that I can only really compare it to something like Rez, I guess. Okay. Um, and they just don't make games like this anymore, and this this series has had such a weird history, like... The, the, so there's two that are really good rail shooters on the Saturn. Then the third one is a role-playing game that's hyper-rare and worth, like, many thousands of dollars if, to get a copy of it. It's, like, hyper-hyper-rare. And then they released one on Xbox, the original Xbox, which is also really good, but also quite a bit more common. So um, it's, a, it's just a really cool, interesting game. I would just suggest people watch a video of it and just say, hey, man, is this something you want to do? Uh, but to me, as a I, I get transported back in the '90s, this is one of the first three dimensional games I ever fully saw, like fully polygonal, not like a 3D O. Like, hey, this is the Batmobile, and mm, it's an actual mm-hmm. video clip of a Batmobile driving through. You know, it was actually for real, and I was just jaw dropped. You know, um, and I thought, there's no way games could be better looking than this. And uh,
1: mm, probably not hasn't <laughs> has not happened. Has
0: not happened. They just upped the pixel count. So Panzer Dragoon on Switch, I would say medium recommendation. You can get it super cheap and it's worth a, an evening of playthrough. I would recommend playing it on easy mode if you've never played a Panzer Dragoon game. Uh, but yeah, super cool. You've also like have we talked about the new Switch on the thing on this show? Cameron, I, I just don't are you remember do, are you where do, our conversations bleed over, right? Yeah. Yeah, so are you doing it or, not, or are you not doing it?
1: Uh because honestly because the new um steam machine has come out the new steam handheld is coming out i very likely won't because i i have the switch it'll be totally fine and it's going to be the metroid machine and that's totally fine but i need to play dark souls and you know all the other you know steam library that i
0: have on that new steam machine yeah i mean you could also probably play mass effect pretty easily on a portable
1: yeah, like I think there's a lot of games that will just be they'll port over just incredibly easily, and um I'll have a great time with it. I'm sure.
0: For sure. Now, hey, if someone would like to get at you and talk to you about what games to play on your new Steam machine, where can they find you?
1: <laughs> it's on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy.
0: And I'm at Curtis. Now our official show feed is at Spike feed mtg We'll check you guys next week.